Hilbert Beis is a lecturer in geopolitics at the European Communication School in Brussels, and he joins us for a look at how a divided Belgium holds together as a nation. Hilbert, welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Belgium is really, in a way, at the cultural divide in Europe. Talk about the big cultural tectonic plates that come together in that part of Europe, Belgium. Absolutely. So what we see in Belgium is that we come from the Germanic portion of Europe, and it transfers into the Latin or the Francophone part of Europe. And uh, that fault line crosses right through the middle of Belgium and uh, has had the result that Belgium is usually involved in every continental European conflict. That's right, because historically it's France against Germany, and, and there's the border right there, France and Germany. But in Belgium, you've got basically a French half and a German half of your country. Yes, we'll call it a Germanic half, right. uh, because they're Dutch-speaking, which is Germanic language. But I think we can make this distinction that Germanic Europe and Latin Europe meets along this fault line. So we think of a, of a continental divide when we're driving up a mountain pass and you get to the very top. I just love it when I'm going around the United States, and it occurs to me all the rivers on this side of the road flow to the west, all the rivers here flow to the east. When I'm going from Italy up into the Alps, when I cross that one alpine pass, I realize I'm leaving all the romantic languages, and ahead of me is all the rain and the strudel and the Germanic languages. Isn't that exciting? It's just half and half. When you think about Belgium being split, could you say it's more Germanic or more romantic? Or is it 50-50, the French and the Germanic parts? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. In terms of populations, it is really 50-50. It's 51-49, but that, that, is that that's right? a little is consequence. That close? Yes. Wow. How would you characterize that? Is it like Germany and France? Is one more industrious and one is more, uh, let's have some nice wine and cheese? That would be a very nice way of putting it. But what it tends to be is that one side will have a tendency of voting for political parties that are much less interventionist, and you have another portion. So now we're going to go down to the south of the country where they have a tradition of relying on a socialist mega-government to take care of people from well, start to finish. Well, there you go. France would have a, a higher standard for social programs, and Germany would have a standard of more like America. You better get it done on your own, and, and the government will stay out of your way. That's very much what we see. So uh, to make things clear, in Flanders, we'll have a great deal more in the way of smaller businesses and entrepreneurship, where in the south, in Bologna, as we can call it, so it's Wallonia with a W, uh, we'll find that uh, many ailing industries are have expecting government help. Are, have left populations that are still expecting government help. Now, I do want to make it clear that there are a lot of great entrepreneurs in Wallonia as well who are just as unsatisfied about their socialist tradition bogging them down as as do the Flemish entrepreneurs. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Hilburn Baez about Belgium. Is it one nation or two? And Hilburn, you've brought up two words that might be new to some of our listeners. Flanders, and Wallonia, and then there's the Dutch language. What is the Dutch language called in Belgium? We'll call it Flemish. Flemish. And is that essentially the same as the Dutch that's spoken in the Netherlands? It is precisely the same language. But it's just called Flemish because it's not in the Netherlands. And then when you are in Wallonia, is the French that is spoken there essentially the same as the French you'd speak in France? Yes. The, the Walloon language has all but disappeared. Uh, it's been replaced by French. And in Flanders, what we have is that the Dutch and the Flemish use the same lexicon, but they will choose different words from it, for instance. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Hilburn Baez about Belgium. Is it one nation or two? Our email address is radio at ricksteves.com, and Damon from Scottsdale, Arizona emailed us. And he wrote, My wife and I were visiting Antwerp several years ago. On the first day, we wanted to buy potato fries at a food stand. We asked in French. 
The worker glared at us. He did not want to hear French, so we spoke in English, and he was okay with it. So for the next several days in Antwerp, we spoke only English. Was that glare an isolated case? That glare was, to begin with, it's a little bit of a shame because it was, it was a very nice effort on your part to try to use one of the national languages. So the point is, Antwerp is in the Flemish-speaking part of Belgium, and somebody, a tourist in Belgium, might reasonably think everybody is speaking French but not understand the sensibilities. An informed tourist would, would understand that we're in Flanders, most people speak Dutch, would also be sensitive to the fact that not everybody speaks French. But uh, this is something that happens often. There's a sense, a lingering sense of victimization that the, the Flemish have for a long time had to fight for their language. And now it's recognized, now Flanders is this incredible economic region and Flemish is more spoken than ever in, uh, in Belgium and it's very exciting. But you'll still find these lingering emotions that people are very, very attached to. So that was a particular person who was sensitive about this, and you hit him at the right, wrong time with the French when he wanted to hear Flemish. That's correct. He was feeling like the uh, unappreciated little brother of the country there. Now, you mentioned earlier the country is essentially 50-50, split between Germanic and uh, and Romantic. uh, Germanic language speakers and the Now, Brussels, the dominant city... Would that be French or Flemish? So, so officially, Brussels is a bilingual region. So it means that administratively, one can speak both languages. So it's bilingual. Is that just in order so everybody can relate to their capital, or is it in practice uh, fair for both languages? Brussels has been a Flemish town for many more centuries than it has been speaking French. Mm-hmm. So it means that even up until the 1950s, most working-class neighborhoods were, were Flemish-speaking, and this has reversed in recent years. Hilburn, if you were looking at Belgium just and trying to sort it out, essentially, is it one nation or is it two nations? In fact, you could say that Belgium has three nations insofar as you'll have the people uh, who associate or who claim loyalty to Wallonia, those who claim loyalty to Flanders, but then there's also a Belgian nation. And that is very, that's a very strong nation as well because you'll find that it wakes up at any time when sports are being played internationally and it accounts for a great deal of the commonalities between... So common denominators between Flanders and Wallonia would be sports? Would it be cuisine? Is there certain parts of the cuisine that are specifically Belgian as opposed to Flemish or Wallonia? Most of the cooking that we have in Belgium is Belgian cooking. Now, many of these dishes, they'll always have a regional name. You'll have a waterzooi that's called an Ostend waterzooi because that's where it would have originated from romantically. Waterzooi? Waterzooi, What is that? Waterzooi is a very delicious dish that one makes from fish or chicken, and it becomes sort of a cream of chicken stew, but it's somewhere between a stew and a soup. It's, it's, okay. it's something quite curious. So Belgians would have a warm place in their, in their heart or stomach for that, whether they're from the north or the south. Absolutely. Nice. What is the relative economic strength of the two regions? Is one dominant from an industrial point of view? Yes. So this is something that's in constant change, but these reversals take a long time. Wallonia, the industrial south of Belgium, was very strong until very recently. When I say very recently, until the 1960s, it was a very strong and sort of an economic powerhouse, which has now reversed because these large industries have slowly closed as they are transferred outside of Europe to the east, and an entrepreneurial spirit from the Flemish has allowed that economy to pick up and now be considerably stronger than Wallonia. So the Flanders economy really is what keeps the engine going in Belgium? At the moment, yes. At the moment. What's the future of the schism? Is there any serious talk of the country splitting up, actually? I don't believe there's a possibility of that. Are there people Uh, that would like that? There are people who claim that they would like that. 
I don't think that they realize the consequences, first of all, and the expense of that decision. It would be a very expensive decision. Because it's already quite small. Yes. yes. And the easiest way to look at this is that we're going to see a further, what we call, devolution of Belgium, which means that we're going to see less and less of a federal government, mm-hmm. but we're not going to see the end of an entity called Belgium. Oh, okay. So sense, devolution means more local power to accommodate local cultural and stylistic needs? Primarily political needs and fiscal needs. What we're going to see is that competences that are now federal are increasingly being transferred downwards to the regions or otherwise absorbed upwards into transnational institutions. Fascinating. Hilburn Weiss, thanks for joining us as we ponder whether Belgium will be one nation or two, and I like the idea that it's three. It'll continue to be Walloons proud of their French sort of style and the Flemish proud of their Germanic heritage, but they'll all be Belgians. As a tour guide, take me to Flanders and then take me to Wallonia and give me one experience I should have in each half of Belgium that is just a way to appreciate and celebrate that part of the country. In Flanders, I would certainly walk into one of the great Flemish cities and visit their their vibrant nature, see how well it is going there. What would uh, the city be? What, name um, a couple of cities. I would take you to Ghent, Bruges, Ypres, to Courtrai, as they call it, Antwerp, any of these places where you can just flavor that beautiful northern Renaissance architecture and see its evolution in reverse back to the Middle Ages. To, uh, it does have that, that northern renaissance kind of triumph, like you'd find in, in Amsterdam or something like this. Okay, and then in Wallonia in the south. In Wallonia, what you'll find is beautiful landscapes, rolling hills of farmland, moving slowly into the slightly more mountainous Ardennes, where you'll find some very dramatic castles. The nobility in France after the revolution took refuge in in Belgium, what we have is a tradition of very old families, beautiful, beautiful castles, some of which are the most elegant in the world. So they're going to cut off the French king's head and the revolution's going on and noble people are thinking, you know, let's pack up and move north. And they still kept their French language and culture, but they settled down in the south of Belgium. Well, let's, let's say that French used to be like English today. When they moved north into Belgium, they spoke French like any, any nobility mm-hmm. anywhere in Europe. The local language, Walloon, is something that has slowly disappeared because it was replaced by French in the national education system at the inception of the country Belgium. So you've got that French love of life, you've got the rolling hills, you've got some castles, and you've got a reason to go both to the south and the north next time you go to Belgium. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking with Hilbert Bies, who's from Brussels, which artfully dances in that that little middle zone of Belgium where half of the people are Flemish and half of the people are French-speaking Walloons. And Hilbert, thanks so much for helping us understand the intricacies of your country. It's been a tremendous pleasure. Rick's weekly one-hour radio program, Travel with Rick Steves, airs in more than 130 cities across the country. Help yourself to free podcasts of past shows and audio tours of Europe's greatest sites and museums in the radio section of our website. For the latest on Rick's radio and TV work, his guidebooks, and his European tours with small groups, visit ricksteves.com.